Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. that burn we are looking at three short stories about death hi i'm nicole and i'm robin and this time on books that burn we are discussing this is how you die edited by ryan north matthew bernardo and david malky so so this is an anthology yes and our first story is Furnace by Erica Hammerschmidt. Yes. Robin, would you like to kick us off with our frac- our factions just for this story, not for the book? Oh, good. You didn't want to pronounce these, did you? All right. We have... No, you always do the factions. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I just... Uh, um, I'm not taking that from you. That'd be mean. No, no, no. These are all future aliens. That's it. Um, <laughs> uh, we have Merkley, Schiaro, and Chias my best guess for all those anyway uh these are we don't know if they're aliens or human descendants very very far in the future there's a pretty strong there's some pretty strong context clues that they are people yeah in the future future humans who have undergone a lot of social and technological changes mm-hmm. and so the premise of this story is they're translating ancient texts to figure out what they mean. The text that they're trying to translate, they're a Rosetta Stone, kind of, is a porn DVD. <laughs> and then they have a machine of death, this device that where you give it your blood and it spits out a paper telling you how you're going to die. But they don't know what that means. Um, Unlike pretty much every other story in this collection these people don't know that they're death predictions and so they're like doing their best to figure out what this thing is and someone gets the idea that it's telling you what your kink is going to be for sex and so now you have all these people trying to get off using the thing that it told them is going to kill them and then people start dying on mass because of it yeah and it's the thing that really kind of jumped 
to my head when I was reading this uh, is the statistics about how likely you are to die from specifically a shark attack versus how likely you are to die from a palm tree uh, or um, a vending machine falling on you. <laughs> and versus the statistics of how how likely dying from those factors are 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 to be a phobia right and it, it's one of those where like those statistics in our real world have to do with probability the two things that will kill you far more often than a shark attack that are often cited as like wacky death statistics are things that worldwide and are like culturally people go up to and just shake <laughs> people will pull <laughs> vending machines down on top of themselves and they'll shake coconut trees until a coconut comes and drops on their head because they want a coconut. And like Or they'll sleep under a coconut under a palm tree. That is That too, yes. Yeah. But they're often cited as like wacky death statistics because huh, vending machines, who would have thought? Those aren't dangerous. Well, no, not unless you shake the several hundred pound giant hunk of metal and plastic. Uh-huh. And tip it over. <laughs> um, but but people are not afraid of dying by vending machine. And they are afraid of dying by shark attack. And most people who don't go... Most people, a lot, there's a lot of people who never go near a shark in their lives. They don't even go near water that includes sharks. And But, but that's still a fear that people have. And this this definitely felt to me like everything in this... Everything that exists in this world that that is handed to them as a cause of death is a vending machine because they don't understand what that is. They don't understand the danger and they're not even thinking like this, you know, they're not even thinking death is a concept for starters, but they're they're definitely not thinking like, oh, well, what is a rock? I don't know. Like, clearly not something that's going to hurt me. Yeah, because they're like, so this word, this word death, we've seen it next to little, so clearly, and that means organa- orgasm, so this must be a thing that tells you how to get your best orgasm. Yeah, and and then, yeah. that's actually a saying, and I don't remember where it's from, and it might totally, I don't know, I don't know why I know this is a phrase, but orgasms are referred to in certain contexts as the little death. Oh no, that's it's a historically much more popular thing. I don't remember, but I don't remember where <laughs> in history that's from. I just know that that was a thing. And so that's a very funny <laughs> tie, like, you know, props to this uh, to this author for for making that joke cuz that was actually pretty entertaining to read. Mhm. As a setup anyway. Yeah. And unlike yeah, unlike the other stories these people, like, they don't know that their death predictions and that fundamentally changes the way that they interact with the machine. Yeah. Yeah, they they go up there seeking the thing that they think will, will help them achieve their goal the best. And then, of course, and then statistically, they jump, they jump their chance of dying by that thing up so incredibly high because they keep seeking it out over and over and over and over. And... There, there's, um, there's, there's a, the one that got me was there was a reference, like, cause they literally have no idea. There's a reference in, uh, an example of one of the people who die, uh, their, their death was by bomb, by explosion. 
I think it was a specifically explosion. So they started bringing bombs into the bedroom. Like, right. hey, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, 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 yes. If if that is the piece of paper you're <laughs> handed, and then you start surrounding yourself with exploding objects, yeah, you're gonna dying by explosion makes total sense. Of course, that's gonna that's gonna be it because you just did that to yourself. Yeah, and uh, I just this one. It's I don't know. It, it's so. It's, it's got this weird miss of I of naivete, um, and like, so so the titles of all these stories, like the title of the story, is the way that at least one person in the story is going to die. It's somebody's prediction. It's not always the main character, but it's somebody's prediction, and so we know that there's going to be a furnace involved somewhere. And then there ends up being this, like, um, people freak out when they start dying um, in the ways that the machine told them would be good. Though that's not what it was trying to tell them. Um, And so there ends up being, like, this, like, rebellion thing and fighting between people who want to keep them and people who want to destroy them. And the military gets involved. It was a little fuzzy because it's, like, this brief explanatory. All right, so here's all the stuff that went down. This is really wild. And so then, because we've got this, like, mostly post-death world where people have backups and, like, you can reset and it'll be fine, people, the military ends up killing people en masse. Or not en masse, but, like, the, the people that are the rebels that they're trying to kill, which ends up being a lot of them. I just don't know if it's quite as uh, systematic as one of the other stories we're going to get to. Um they have to, they start burning them in ovens. And then this yeah. character who has the prediction of furnace doesn't know what the word furnace is. And is like, hmm, when the word furnace showed up in this porn DVD, it meant like being really, really close with someone and like emotionally intense. Uh, <laughs> so clearly this means that I will die by sex or well. No, they're not even that far. Clearly, it no, means- they're not even that far. Clearly, this means that I have to seek out like this really hot experience. I should seek out like the fire of our love or something. It's it's some like yeah, I don't remember the exact wording. Yeah, and it. So this is the very last story in the collection. Like order doesn't matter a whole lot with them, but I do think it is a good one to put at the end because it is one of the. Calmer isn't one of the isn't quite the right word, but it it is one of the ones where it doesn't end with the death. It ends with we know it's going to be in the future sometime later, and it gives us enough information to know how Yeah, in a way that it's like, okay, it's got I don't know, it's got this weird inevitability. And I, I feel weird saying that because all of these are about it being inevitable, but this one leaving it off the page, I think. Yeah, it gives puts like puts it as a good place as a closer. Yes, it's a very good place for that story to end. But you, as an audience member, you definitely like fill in the details, and that can how much be you, a the lot. more you think about it, the darker this one gets. Yeah, and and also the more gruesome you imagine it to be, the more gruesome it is inherently because it's it's left up to your imagination. 
So this is definitely one I personally think where this is a very cool story. It's a very cool take on this concept. If you have a very active imagination and end up scaring yourself, maybe well, skip don't this, read this one. Collection. Well, don't read the collection, but like, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. that if if you need thing explicitly traumatizing or more horrific things written out so that you don't embellish in your own head, uh this is a really bad one. <laughs> uh it's very well written, it's a very good story, but it leaves a lot this one leaves a lot to you interpreting how awful things are because the characters have no clue. On to Drowning, Burning, Flying, Falling by Grace Siebold. We have Emily, Brianna, Esperander, and Hafsanoon. So in this world, the way they have the machine of death is that it's like part of their culture and people are like set up to like live knowing how they will die. And like the way that you're going to die is a big part of your identity. It like matters to conversations. It like um, in certain cultures. Yeah. In certain cultures it does. In other cultures it is impolite to reference. Which I really love that they kind of put that in there as like, no, the whole world doesn't do the same thing, guys. <laughs> we're not a we're not a monolith. Yeah. This isn't this isn't one of the ones where kids get sat at lunch tables based on their death. That's a different story. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. No. They um, no. They get counseling based on their death, but it's very uh, tailored it and specific. Yeah. Which is honestly um, kind of great, actually. Yeah, like it's kind of cool. Um. And it, it's not trying to be a deep dive onto like, here's how everything in this iteration of the premise does no. it. But they do like kind of mention that like, yes, yeah, some cultures think it's rude or intrusive, but we happen to be fine talking about it. And the reason yeah. they have to have that conversation is because some of the characters are literal aliens. Yeah. And they have a way of... um transporting where they mess with the probability of where they're going to be and it means that the machine doesn't work on them sorry this is going to spoil the story a little bit but i guess <laughs> these stories are short sort we're just spoiling the we're spoiling the particular ones we're discussing we spoil our books discussing them every episode i think it's okay i know it just bothers me here because i'm like ah go read it read it for yourself but <laughs> Anyway, Uh, this is my favorite one in the collection. And so it it turns out that when the aliens, when their ships move, they do it by manipulating the probability of where they were going to be. And so they end up in a world, a version of the universe where their ship was there. And when the machine goes to read them, it can't tell which one they are. And so it spits out all the possible ways they might die in... The various universes that they're entangled with, kind of. Yeah. One of the characters has grown up, like, knowing that she's going to die by suicide. And she goes on the ship. And then it messes with her. And that's how they figure out that that's what's going on with these aliens. Yeah. But it means that, like, this thing that she thought of as, like, a part of herself, like, knowing the way she was going to die 
it stops feeling certain. And she decides to kill herself because a world in which she wasn't going to die by suicide isn't one she wants to live in. And so she takes control or tries to keep some measure of control and kills herself. And that's contrasted with the main character, the point of view character, who is just as despairing, but refuses to kill herself because her death is not suicide. And uh, just that contrast is really cool. Um, Yeah, I do like that juxtaposition. I will say this story's twist caught me off guard. Or the ending caught me off guard, not the twist. Because the twist comes in and my immediate thought was, oh, she's going to die by something other than suicide. Uh-huh. And then she didn't. <laughs> and I was right. like, oh, all right. Well, that was still the version of her that is her anyway. Okay, fine. And But, you know, I was fully expecting like, oh, this isn't going to happen. And then it did. Yeah. I think maybe that's what I I like. I like the way that it cares about agency, which I think also sets this one up as a particular, particularly great one, given the premise of our podcast, um, where the only one with agency is the author, which then creates this like interesting meta discussion whenever we're talking about characters either retaining or losing agency in different ways, because yeah. this one is about like reckoning with that and like if if that other character i mean we don't even have to say what if the friend didn't have suicide as the death because we already have the example of the main character who is like well i (laughs) i i I, Um, now i want to kill myself but i will not because i want the way i was always going to die to be the way i'm always going to die and that way is not suicide and so i must stay yeah even as like even if she never goes in the ship once other people are it messes with causality and there's ripple effects and so as soon as people who are of uncertain causality are walking around and traveling in these things and doing things it ripples out and affects everybody or at least that's the theory because the right. main character won't because- test herself <laughs> again she doesn't want confirmation that her fate has changed because she's trying to keep that little bit of agency of, if I don't look, maybe nothing will be different and it'll be okay. Yeah, I I think a couple of things, so a couple of things slightly, shifting mm-hmm. topics slightly, a couple of things that I really liked about this story in particular that I just want to throw out there because they, they really highlight how this author thinks about trauma in this world and about writing trauma in this world. Um. The big major thing is that counseling I mentioned that kids get. They Mm -hmm. are... Now, obviously, in this book, in the real world, this wouldn't happen the same way because it doesn't have the same premise. But in this book, in the culture of these characters, this main character grew up in, children, once you know the age, once you know, once you're of an age to know your, your causality of death, children are divided into groups kind of based on that trigger, that instigator, and they're given explicit direct counseling, coping methods, talks by adults who have, it seems, it reads like adults who have the same cause in their future. 
or similar enough. They're in the same yeah, category. They're in the same category. And and, and it's like it, it it feels very similar to what we know, what we there's research on in real life where, you know, grief counselors do better if they've if they're grieving. <laughs> like, you know, people who who have a um you know like any of any variation of various things that we've labeled disorders or handicaps or anything any variant uh that causes trauma from just what we expect human life experience to be if you are helping someone dealing with repercussions from that variance it's you do better if if you're one of those people and and that's kind of the whole representation in that that matters in in fields it matters in medical fields it matters in counseling fields it matters in uh and i'm i'm not even talking about things like real estate or health insurance but like you know it matters that you get professionals working with you who actually know what you're doing and talking about and 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 dealing with and it's just the the fact that that the way this author built this into this world children are given essentially almost preemptive grief counseling and traumatic counseling before that the thing that they know is going to happen because they're being traumatized or they could be being traumatized by just knowing what will happen to them in the future already but it's not just here have your diagnosis and bye good luck it's okay so we know this piece about you now let's deal with it already right now at 10 years old or whatever it is and let's let's already get you on the path of like being a functional person and you just have this one thing that you can count on this one stability in your life and also here are some tools for dealing with the fact that it inherently explicably that thing is going to be some it's going to be traumatic because it's how you stop it it's really cool to me yeah and i some of the other stories where authors because in exploring this concept there was a lot of ways people went about it um, for this collection and in some of the ones where there isn't this like kind of culture of acceptance or like being open about it or this kind of counseling yeah like sometimes the negative reaction and a lot of the like stressful repercussions while the person was still alive was about people being like oh now you've got to like avoid the thing that they said would kill you and it's like <laughs> yeah no no like no matter what this is going to be it i can't and that's and i i did appreciate that a lot of the stories got i think like this one too like got that out of the way by being yeah. like no 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 we we've tested this you can't you can't cheat fate the oracle is never going to be wrong and the more you try to do to fight it, the weirder things are going to get. Some of the other stories took that in some really cool directions. Yeah. But with this one, yeah, I really like the way it showed what it could look like if everybody had access to this thing. Um, and some of the other stories look at what it would be like if there's stratified tiers of information and what if it's weaponized. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I um, and just like since we have been like 
talking about suicide in connection with the idea of loss of agency. Um, please uh, talk to someone if you're feeling suicidal. You do not live in a machine of death world. Please. Um, it's not like need to get there's like I feel suddenly as though we should have had like a suicide hotline number we could say and give people right here. I will see if you uh, can find that for the show notes because it's a top in the topic. So but, somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere I have I have a list of those that is more than just regional to us. Right. And yeah. I I will see if I can find that list. Okay. It's not fully global, but it tries. But yeah, um, because we are not suicide counselors, we're not trauma counselors, and this is one of those where there is help and loss of agency is often very wrapped up in that, and it is specifically for this character, so... On to Toxoplasmosis of the Brain by Gord Seller. And the topic is death camps. Can we list so, our factions? Ah, uh, yes, factions. Joyce, Christopher, and Anthony. Joyce and Anthony work outside of the death camp, and Christopher is Joyce's. I think ex-husband. Uh, the way it's written might kind be of current, implies... Might be technically current. Separated, yeah. Separated, I guess? It implies that they're still legally married, but, like, she is definitely done with him. Right. And so the government in this story has made death camps for anyone with a cause of death from the machine of death that the government thinks is maybe attributable to... HIV and AIDS. And it includes things like pneumonia. Um, this is a maliciously broad list. Um, not that there is some smaller list that could be fine, but the way that they have lumped in so many things where someone with AIDS might die from it and said, that means you're going to die of AIDS. That means we should put you in this death camp so that you can die next to all the other people who are going to die this way it's just it's it's, it's really bad awful. and it's really brutal and it is a concentration camp it is a death camp it is sticking you in this thing and you're just going to be here till you die it is explicitly murder it's explicitly murder and it's also so in this story they have the technology to quickly and easily and painlessly test you for HIV and AIDS. They have that technology and they've quite literally said, well, we don't actually care if you have the thing that we are trying to, to get rid of. We're just going to assume that if you have a cause of death that's on our list, you're going to get it eventually and there's no... There's no way around that, and so we're just gonna like arbitrary, like prematurely, not arbitrarily, but you're, we're gonna prematurely just lock you in with everyone else that we also assume is gonna get it. And they they mention also in this book that like there is a a a culture of raping people in these camps too, and it's an STD. 
and it's an STD. And, and so there's there's they actually talk in the book about how there are factions of people that are arguing correctly. I personally think that that the government is causing some of these people to even contract this thing by putting them in camp, assuming they're going to contract the thing. And it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty gruesome. There's also the the author has built in some very clear like I well I should cr- I've critique, but this whole thing is layered with just critique of how bad this is. Um, but there's also this explicit um, uh, explicit like character who realizes that it's all this bad. Our main point of view character has it, and but her her uh cause of death has is not on the list (laughs) so she's just kind of living her life totally free nothing to worry about she's gotten tested and she makes the point that she could infect a lot of people that if she were sleeping around that she could be the reason that a lot of other people are ending up yeah in the camp yeah and if she and the government wouldn't do anything. Not that I necessarily want them to. But right. But like, they're doing something very extreme to all these other people. And they wouldn't try and do anything to her just because it says she's going to die accidentally. And she's been tested. Like, she's not guessing that she has AIDS. She has been, she has taken a medical test to know that she has this thing. And, and she's fine. She's safe, relatively speaking, because... Government didn't decide that yeah, it's it's so warped in so many ways and it's so bad. And I actually should mention to make it even worse, uh, she her job is actually testing people for cause of death to send them away to the camps. So she's literally yeah, when they arrive at the camp. Yeah. She verifies if they request it, she's the one who checks she always checks them in and then she might be the one to who's there with the machine when they beg to check one last time and see if maybe it's going to say something different and it's the machine of death so it won't it's consistent yeah but she's literally looking people in the face going wow you know your your cause of death might literally be something else and going or you might not have it yet and going to this camp is sending you to your death and i am an instrument of that and i by the the logic the government is using, I should be on the list, but I'm not. I'm free. I'm infected. You're not. Sucks to be you. You're going to die and I'll be fine. And like, it's a whole book of that. Or uh, it's not a whole book. It's a whole story of that. And it's, it's wild. And the camps have been around long enough that people, that children are being like conceived and born in the camps. Yeah. Um, I hope some of it's consensual. We also know that there's a rape culture. Yeah. Um, and then the babies are tested. And if they're going... Uh, not a rape culture. A culture of rape. Sorry. Because this is not this is not rape culture as we know it today. This is people in the camps are raping other people because they've decided no to. Yeah, it's not rape culture in the same way we think of it in our modern day <laughs> sorry it yeah you're right that is a, a yeah. specific <laughs> term with some specific meanings it is a culture in which they're totally fine with rape happening and they don't care um and uh the if a baby is born in the camp they'll test them and if the baby is has one of the deaths on the list then they get returned and they stay in the camp thus 
existentially guaranteeing that that's what they're gonna die of yeah and that they're and that they're going to contract it from growing up in this camp and then if their death is something else they get taken away we don't know what happens to them but like yeah it means that you've got like it means that on top of all the other mess you've got like the cultural aspect of genocide because you have children being separated from their parents like that's bound up in this too absolutely um and there's a lot of even for the adults being split up families are being split up you know there's a lot of abandonment there's a lot of like forced abandonment there's a lot of tearing people apart just all in the name of well one of you is is probably gonna have this thing and we've decided so so we're gonna stick you in a camp where you are you know statistically so much more likely to get it we're putting you in the danger zone because we've decided you're going to get it anyway and so you just we just don't care about you anymore and it's it's pretty horrific but i this is a not all many of these stories some of these stories are explanations are explorations of this idea and some of them like this one are like i want i want we don't know the author specifically because, like, all of these stories have different authors and it's not someone we're already familiar with. I mean, like, we don't know if they've written other things. But, like, this is a really, this is a really, really good example of some of the darker places that this collection goes. Some of the, like, the more, I don't quite, I guess, you know, this is literal genocide. So it yeah. is objectively on the more traumatic end of the scale. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's not the only one that deals in, well, what would a government do if they had this? And to me, a lot of those were some of the more interesting ones in the collection. Um, I liked most of these, but I like the ending for this one. I... I don't know, after, with this collection so filled with death, I do appreciate the ones where it doesn't specifically depict the deaths. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is definitely not one where you see people die on screen, which... It doesn't make it any less dark. Yeah, yeah, definitely that, but it also does make it... uh, We'll talk about this in our wrap-up, but it does wildly for this particular one give it a little bit of care for the reader (laughs) a little bit um just the tiniest sprinkling of care possible um so that's you know i guess a a that's a positive author decision for sure We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go.
on to the wrap-up and ratings. So this uh, story, This Is How You Die, is the second anthology with the Machine of Death premise, which originally came out of one of the... It's a comic from 2005, a particular instance of Dinosaur Comics by Ryan North. And the premise connecting all of these books is that there is a machine where you go in and you get a blood test and the machine spits out a paper with a cause of death on it. Sometimes the interpretation is very literal. Sometimes there's some irony involved or, but, but it's never wrong. And that is the central thing tying together all of these stories and if the um if people try and like dodge their fate or like avoid whatever the thing says it's going to be like it doesn't matter eventually they will die from something that fits whatever the thing is from the paper so that connects all these stories and we chose three specific ones to talk about they were uh, Furnace by Erica Hammerschmidt, Drowning, Burning, Flying, Falling by Grace Siebold, and Toxoplasmosis of the Brain by Gord Seller. So in this wrap-up, we're going to talk about how things were handled in these particular stories. Um, a brief sense of the collection as a whole, where it ranks where any particular story ranks is going to vary wildly. Um, I, my sense is that I don't think any of the stories uh, rose to the level of torture porn, just in terms of like where the collection goes, but the collection does have many that are on the severe end of the scale. Um, and whether or not things were uh, treated with care will vary wildly by author. So, um, it is an anthology. If you try to read one and it stretches you out, skip that one. Just, and if you don't want to read a collection where it's all about how people are going to die, then maybe a different book for you. But, uh, on to our ratings for this, these three particular stories. Um, for Furnace, what would you say? I, I do really want to, really quickly want to say also, though, if you're trying mm-hmm. to decide whether or not you can handle these, I think th- most of these are 10 to 20 pages max. Mm-hmm. So even if a story is too much or you want to skip it, they're very short. They're incredibly short. So that and that doesn't mean read named. through them. That just means like, if you're like, oh, whoa, not that one. There's a lot of them in this one even mm-hmm. just book two, like, you know. There's like 30 or something. You can skip forward lot. like five or six pages and you're just on the next one. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, so don't don't be afraid of like, well, you know, if I'm buying the thing and I dislike two or three stories, that's most of this book. Like, no, no, it's absolutely not. Uh, so just, I just wanted to throw that out there just because this is a anthology of like micro story proportions. Uh, for... Okay, so now on our ratings. Um, for Furnace, I... Most of it's, like, off-screen. 
Like, almost all of it is describing what's happening to, like, other characters. Other characters and... I would argue even the on-screen thing is so obscure because the characters themselves don't even understand enough to really, like, articulate. (laughs) Yeah, um... It is, it's a blend of off screen and mild, I think. Um, I wouldn't go as far as my only thing with, so we had, we had talked about this a little bit in our topic. It implies some very dark things. Well, well, here's the thing. I almost don't feel comfortable. This is going to maybe be a first. I almost don't feel comfortable telling our audience that this is mild, moderate, or severe. It's not torture porn for sure. But as we kind of, we kind of talked about this in our actual segment the severeness of this story is kind of up to your imagination so there are people who are going to read this and it's mild and there's people who are going to read this and it's going to be a pretty severe thing and 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 this story because it is so short i don't think that we can just say oh well that makes it mild because i i don't i don't think we can i think it is too short i think there are too few details i think it is intentionally left to the imagination in a way that i don't feel comfortable even pretending to say that we know how this will be experienced and it's this one specifically it's not the other two okay okay does that kind of make sense would you go with moderate okay cuz gratuity rating is like the level I'm an, I'm going to go with your mileage may vary. Okay, because the gratuity rating is like the level of description on the page. And I contend that the level of description on the page is mild. No, the level of description on the page is not mild. The level on the description of description on the page is misunderstood. That's not the same thing even a little bit. Because if a okay. character describes something incredibly horrific and doesn't have the same words for it, that doesn't mean it's not horrific to read. Okay, then. Do you think it is severe, then? I don't. I think it is your mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary. I don't, okay. think, I don't think we can say this is going to be this. I, I, That's I fine. straight up don't think we can. Okay. Which is weird, and which is a, a complete first, but, you know. Yeah. Okay. Then for drowning, I think... I think I think this is either moderate or severe. I think I'd lead a little bit more towards moderate, but th- this is a very um a difficult topic is bound up in the heart of this story. A difficult topic is bound up in the heart of the story and also I think we can do moderate slash severe because okay. this story really digs at a thing about humans. Which mm-hmm. is that for some people, certainty helps you to cope. And for other people, certainty stops you from coping because you feel constrained. Right. And that is depressing and not healing. hmm Like, you know, fatalism for some means that you can live your life and it's okay. <laughs> fatalism for others means that nothing you do matters and you hate everything. And even that concept that nothing you do matters is super helpful for some people. It's super traumatizing for others. And so, you know, this is a, this, this, that, this talks about that a lot. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, let's moderate slash severe. Okay. All right. Um, toxoplasmosis. So a lot of it is off screen, but the things being described, I think, are severe. Agree. Um, yeah. So Hardcore agree. We're not watching it happen to a character, but the descriptions are detailed enough and horrific enough to absolutely be severe. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, it almost just feels like third person omniscient more than first person <laughs> not in the room. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The the main character has insider street knowledge that we just don't see described, but they still tell us about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. And in, in the story this traumatic um i'm grateful that that's where this particular author went with it yeah we'll talk about that Um, in a second (laughs) yeah um all right uh integral interchangeable or irrelevant i would like to just throw out there that these stories are so short i don't think anything is gonna i think it's all this i'm gonna predict that we're gonna say integral three times because there's not that much that you could cut and still have words on a page um, for these yeah, I I think <laughs> just saying like I think toxoplasmosis is the only one that had so much that maybe some of them could happen to be interchangeable, but yeah. that's just which on a really terrible list did you decide to mention specifically or not? So yeah. I'm comfortable with saying integral for all three of these. Again, there's not a lot of fluff. No, there's not, not a lot a, of room for it. No, and and to kind of reiterate what we said at the beginning of this wrap up. These stories are so short. Uh, there isn't there isn't gonna be things that are just thrown in because why? It's not gonna happen. There isn't space in them. They're not long yeah. enough to have anything extra. So I would argue that's likely to. I haven't read the whole book. I have. <laughs> it, does that hold up for all in general as a rule? Do you know? Um. Do you remember? I think there are some where it's interchangeable. Um, and I, I think that's like the nature of a story with like these kinds of predictions to the degree that it's interchangeable. Some other story is doing the thing it could have been swapped with. So mm. does that make sense? Like for a lot of them, this particular story could have done something else. But as a collection, yeah, so many permutations are covered that it yeah. makes it feel like, well, if this one had done something else, it wouldn't have made it in because it would have been redundant with a different story over here. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm sure there were suspiciously similar ones or highly similar ones that are the interchangeable version that like didn't make the cut and these ones did. Gotcha. I um, do like that this is an anthology with a theme and they had so many. They were like, oh, no, second book. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> especially because yep. these are so tiny like they fit a lot into at least book two uh yeah yeah and i don't know if this would be in the ebook version but if you have the physical version there's like an illustration that goes with everything every single story um i did appreciate those the comics i wasn't as much of a fan of mm. there's a comic at the end of each story that doesn't relate to it. Those felt a little off for me, but I really liked the standalone, il- the illustrations that go with each story. Okay. I really like those a lot. Yeah. They give me like a little, for when they're st- so short, having like the little thing that's like, this feels like this extra like way to ground, like this story is different from the others. Oh, it has like this image with it. 
Anyway, I personally like that, but um, <laughs> okay. back to the ratings. Um, was trauma treated with care? Um, I think enough for, or maybe Furnace is just straight up care. Furnace like, is, I think, is care. Well, mm, it's at least enough. It's almost fridge horror, and I don't know if that makes it care or... Mm-hmm. Because I guess if you want to, like, you have to do a lot of thinking about, oh, oh, no, that's what horrible thing this means. Yeah, there's a lot of the characters don't understand what they're actually referring to. And so you're kind of forced to focus in on it and pick it apart and interpret it. Which honestly, to me, it feels like the opposite of care because the author is saying, no, you will think about this trauma. Think about all these and things. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. We can say not enough then. I, Yeah. Because it, it is written in a way where if you don't know what they're referring to either, like, you'll be in the dark. So I'm not just going to straight up say no. You don't understand the story or there's a lot of fridge horror. Yes. And how much of it you understand will be different. Like, when I read this, I was younger. I did not understand some of it. I understood <laughs> the death bits of it, but, like... But not all the other... Definitely some other stuff I didn't get. Yeah. Didn't understand. Um, yeah. For drowning for care um i i think that this would have been helped with a little more cushion it has an ending that is i think very bleak we actually kind of referred to what that cushioning might be because i was kind of expecting a little more cushioning Mm -hmm. and then it didn't happen that's the uh, twist that nicole thought it would be that did not occur yeah and I I would even argue that the story kind of, s- not that it set me up. Well, no, it did. It set me up to think, like, maybe. Maybe there's a way out. Well, not a way out. Not a way out because they all die and that's the point. Sure. <laughs> Everybody dies and that's the premise. It's not a way out, but a, a way to not have this particular thing in it. And then it didn't happen. And, and so I would argue that that is... Definitely not enough, because that particular trauma is not very um, triggering to me. But, like, if you're reading a story and you're like, okay, maybe if it's avoided, I can handle this, that's going to pack a very incredible punch in a way that you might think, you might be set up to think isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's pretty traumatic. <laughs> Could be pretty traumatic. So do you think... Enough or not enough? I think not enough. Okay. For toxoplasmosis, I think this is enough. Really? Like, it's not... It's not yes, but... For something so severe and so horrifying, I think it... It does a lot to make it clear. I don't agree (laughs) okay what do you think i think this is gonna be one of those because we've had these topics before i think this is one of those where it's not possible to treat it with enough care yeah i think if you treated it with enough care it's not the the same thing yeah yeah okay so like non-applicable this just is very dramatic i think in the past we've just said not enough for those because it's like mm-hmm. the author. I mean, the author clearly tried is the thing. 
Um, yeah. It's not that they didn't think about it or didn't care about it themselves, but like if they had put enough care in for their readers, they wouldn't have the same things happening in their story and they wouldn't have the same horrors happening and existing and being described in their story. It just wouldn't be the same story. And so I, I think I think not enough. It's my argument. <laughs> All right. Um, point of view. I mean, this is main characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's these are so short. These are so short. <laughs> there's not there's not a lot of like transitioning from one to another anything really. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there even were any stories that had time to have more than one point of view. Um there was one that's pretty memorable for having more than one point of view. And it's the very first one, but they tended to have a point of view and stick to it through the story um as a collection yeah and yeah, i mean and that makes sense again they're yeah there's not a whole lot of room to hop around there's one you showed me from book one that's literally the whole story is one sentence yeah like it's <laughs> a pretty good one <laughs> that yeah. like i think the the story the longest one that i remember in book two is like 20 pages 20 sides of a page mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of space for switching multiple yeah. people talking <laughs> yeah um, so this will be fun. What's your favorite non-traumatic thing about this anthology collection? <sighs> My favorite non-traumatic thing about this anthology. Um, gosh. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Are there non-traumatic things in this anthology? I mean, you mentioned one already. Okay. Okay. This is the, about as close to non-traumatic as I think we can get. The way that the predictions, when someone had a cause of death that would be difficult to inflict on purpose. Damn it, this is traumatic. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the comics that you liked. Oh, I know. I did not like the comics. I did like the you, illustrations. Oh, the illustrations, I mean. Yeah. I liked the, the lengths that people went to to... Fulfill or not fulfill predictions. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I think that um, the attempts to twist fate were very interesting. And then there, I also liked a story that was from the perspective of the universe that generates the death predictions rather than one that receives them. And I think that is the closest to being a non-traumatic story in this book. And it's very good. I liked it. I don't I don't think it made my favorite story list on my review, but it is very good and it's very like different from the others. I liked it a lot. It was a nice break. It's like, yeah, it's kind of a macabre party going on, but like <laughs> no one's actually dying in the story. Okay. So, so yeah. Favorite non-traumatic thing. I'm going to go with one that was non-traumatic for me with the caveat that that doesn't mean it'll be for everyone. Uh, I was really a fan of how many of the stories that I read had some facet of just caring about how different people would have handled this. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean different authors thought about it in different ways. Like that definitely also happened, but there were a lot of the authors in here like not even just in the bo- in the ones that we've covered in this episode 
Uh, a lot of the authors in here took their particular twist on it, their particular premise, and said, well, not everyone is uniform. And so for some people, the way I have set up my world is going to be great. And for other people, it's not. And I I really like how many of the authors thought about that and cared about it. Yep. And that was just, I just thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Just so I guess the authors caring about their own characters' perceptions is my <laughs> yeah. quote unquote non traumatic thing. Uh, can we give a writer's tip? Is that a thing we can do with this? Um, I'm unsure. I don't think we really can give a writer's tip for this because there's for anything some you could have done differently there's a different story that like did that thing or didn't do that thing or maybe a publishing tip um more queer stories please okay this has some but i wish it had more okay and that works i'm I'm good with that yeah (laughs) if you're doing an anthology then maybe uh even if the look for uh, some more stuff even if the premise isn't bound up in queerness and then um yeah, I can't, um, I mean, like, this had, like, more than one story set in Africa. Uh, like, my apologies that I don't remember which countries they were set in, but, like, it had, like, it had, like, one set in different places around the world. So that was really cool. I liked that. I know that's also going to be, like, a factor in, like, where the authors were from. Yeah. So uh, get authors from more places in the world. And um, please, uh, more queer characters, because uh, especially if so many characters are going to die, we got to like up the odds of some of the queer ones living <laughs> by like having more of them. Please, I would like that. Yeah. Um, don't worry. Uh, if anyone wants uh, recommendations of very queer uh, anthologies with like lots of authors of color, uh, hit us up. I've got titles to give you, but. Um, when you're making anthologies, please, uh, intersectionality and uh, different kinds of diversity would be great. And I, I don't know that that didn't happen in terms of author demographics here, because again, this is just people who submitted stories with this call with this very popular comic. So I'm not saying that this story, that this anthology did it wrong. No, um, just that if you're putting something I like just, this together. I felt the absence of queer characters and would have liked more truck was outside uh so thank you so much for joining us for this is how you die edited by ryan north matthew bernardo and david malkey we discussed books by with stories by erica hammerschmidt grace siebold and gord seller and we will catch you in a fortnight All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstheburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash bookstheburn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout-out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.